Last month, I had a chance to sit down with a really awesome angler in Nebraska. Uh, this guy's name was Marty Hughes. He's a principal in Auburn, Nebraska, and he is famously known as the godfather of kayak fishing. Maybe it's the grandfather, but <laughs> he doesn't look much like a grandfather. Marty, like I said, he's a high school principal in Auburn, Nebraska. He's a kayak angler, and he's a genuinely nice man. And what I really appreciate about Marty is his genuine interest in creating a welcoming environment for all anglers. And he does this with his students, too. You can tell it runs deep in him, that he just wants to treat everyone with love and dignity and respect, and he really appreciates people, and he wants to show them a really great experience, and he wants to expand the fishing community, specifically the kayak fishing community. And uh, his passion really shines through in our conversation. We talk about his favorite fishing stories, his favorite fishing buddy, and we talk about how he got started in fishing and, and how he got started in kayak fishing. It was a really fun conversation for me to have. I really think you'll enjoy it. Uh, if you know Marty, if you love kayak fishing, if you love fishing in general, uh, take a listen to this story, uh, this conversation, and share it with your networks. I hope that it inspires you to do something great today, tomorrow. Uh, do something great for another person. Take someone fishing. Inspire someone to get out and, and love the outdoors. And maybe it'll inspire you to record your voice, to record a conversation with someone you care about, um, with your son, daughter, aunt, uncle, grandpas and grandmas, and preserve that conversation, preserve those voices for the next generation. Uh, because that's what this is all about. It's about creating great experiences and passing on the good vibes to our kids and our grandkids. So with that being said, uh, thanks to Marty Hughes for taking the time to sit down and chat. I hope you really enjoy this conversation. Have a great day, everyone. My name is Marty Hughes, and I, I live in Auburn, Nebraska, southeast Nebraska. Um, I've lived in Nebraska since 1976, um, kind of a transplant from California. Um, my dad was in the military, Navy, and my stepdad was in the Marines, and so um, I've been in a lot of schools. In fact, I think I was in 14 different schools, four different high schools. Went from a very large high school in California to one less than 90 in Nebraska, and that was Table Rock. So I graduated in Nebraska. Most people think I've lived here all my life, but I haven't. But, you know, I had some experiences that, that, that I'll never forget, some great memories. Um, I have a family, uh, my wife, Diane, um, by the way, I married up. <laughs> she, she, you all kicked your coverage? Yeah. Oh, man. She's beautiful, and she's great, and she's patient with me, and she lets me fish. Um, and then uh, we've been married, I think, about 28 years, going on 29. And um, we have, there's th I have three th children, um, a daughter, two sons, uh, two grandchildren. And, um, you know, our family, we've been, in, our whole family's been involved as far as you know, schools and education, pretty much uh, their entire lives and our my career. And um, I was I've been an educator for 38 years, so I've really never left school. Um, hopefully, I graduate here soon. Um, and uh, I guess the other thing is, um, I love to fish and I love the outdoors, and I love to help people. Uh, how did you get the nickname Kayak Jack? Oh, that's a good one. Um, that's a great question. It wasn't me. Um, that's that's good, I think. Yeah, All right, let's go ahead and know, get it. I had a lot of nicknames growing up. Uh, imagine what rhymes with Marty, um, you know. <laughs> um, but I had I've been nicknamed Festus uh, because of uh, you, you. You don't have a picture right now, but I, you know, with the beard, people call me Festus off. You know, the old Western show that uh, I can't remember what the name of it is, but um, I get called that a lot and, and other names. But the Kayak Jack that came about. Because, and maybe we'll get into how I started kayak fishing, but I had, I had been kayak fishing, oh, four or five years. And my superintendent, his name's Dallas, and uh, he, um, I came, I would come to school and he'd say, hey, kayak. And he'd always call me that, hey, kayak, because I had kayak on my old trooper and I'd come to school with it on there, you know, and stuff. And every day, kayak. And, 
And then one day I was coming down the hall and, and he, and, and my real name is Jack. It's not Marty. And so one day he shouted, Hey, kayak Jack. And then everybody kind of heard it. And so that was my nickname, kayak Jack. And then he goes, if you ever make any money off of this, I want to cut. <laughs> so actually I've been making some money and I haven't given them a cut yet, but I probably should, <laughs> you know, and it's not about making money. It was just, you know, it was a, it was just a nice, I mean, it, it kind of fit and it took off. And that, I was curious if, if all kayak anglers have nicknames bestowed upon them. Because it's good to hear. I don't think it's an official nickname unless someone else gives it to you. If you give yourself a nickname, it's not really a nickname, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, you know, yeah, there's a lot of nicknames we come up with for guys when, like, when something happens to them, you know. Um, Like, uh, oh, man, Rob, a guy named Rob, uh, we called him Turtle King, you know. You know what Turtle King is? He's like, a Turtle King is like when your kayak tips upside down, it looks like a turtle shell. So he was the king of turtling. So, so you That's know, it's not a good nickname. No, no, it's not. But he's a cool guy, you know, and and so it's all in fun, you know. Um, we got. Uh, uh, can I say names on here? Or, um, you know, yeah. if you feel like they're oh, comfortable man, they're, with oh, it, oh yeah, 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 then, yeah, then, yeah, then that's fine. Good. And as long as you're not slandering them or I'm anything, not slander. But but uh, there's a guy, one of the best fishermen in the Midwest. I mean, if not the best, is Richie McMichael out of Kansas, near Kansas City, and and his nickname is McNasty. You know, and I think some some guys, you know, came up with that. I don't know. And we, we just have fun with them, you know, um, like, you know, Kevin Workman, the bearded one, you know, but he has all kinds of nicknames, a dark archer, you know, um, you know, we, we just have th- those kinds of it, it, and it's all in fun. And, uh, you know, and some of them put that for their middle part of their name. But, you know, a lot of guys, you know, I get called Godfather, of kayak, you know, all that stuff. But but it's you know, it's all in fun. And but the kayak jack thing, I, it's, it's what's cool is I didn't come up with it. And it's kind of catchy, you know, and, and, and it kind of helps my business people know what I do, you know. How long have you been going by Marty? Uh, my dad's name is Jack. And so when I was, I, when I was little, they, I think my parents just called me Marty. And then when I would go to school, you know, the kindergarten, first grade teacher, Jack Hughes. And I'm like, who's that? <laughs> you know. And so... Um, it was Marty, but I go, when I go to the hospital or something, I'm sitting there and they go, they call Jack. And then I, everybody looks around like, who's that? And I get up and they go, well, I don't know your name is Jack, you know, and I'm in there. But, um, pretty much if it's, if it's professional or formal, people call me Jack. And if everyday life, they all call me Marty. Most people just say Hughes. They just go, Hey, Hughes, you know, are you principal Hughes, principal Jack at school? Uh, I, you know, I hate to say know what they say when I'm not there, but no, I'm just kidding. Everybody's pretty good. You know, the kids, they like to call me Hughes or Mr. Hughes or, you know, some, some think, some young people think that we're on the best buddy basis. So they say Marty sometimes, you know, it doesn't bother me. Some people, it bothers, it doesn't bother me. You know, they're going to call you what they call you, you know, but most people are very respectable about it. And so I, I do want to talk about your kayak fishing eventually, but first, <clears throat> first I want to talk about your childhood memories in the angling. Do you have an, what's your earliest childhood memory of fishing in California? Do you have a memory of that? Oh yeah. My, my earliest is, is my dad and his Navy buddies. They would go up to the high Sierra mountains every year and I got to go on one. And I, I don't remember how old was. I do have a picture of it on my, on my, my social media. Uh, and they, we would, it was a long trip from San Diego up to the high Sierra mountains. I think it was probably five or six hours, I don't know, maybe longer, but I remember, um, you know, you had to pee in a beer bottle because they weren't going to stop things like that, you know, and they played card games in the back of the camper on the way up. But that was my earliest memory. And we went up and I, I had never caught a trout and we were trout fishing. And so it was kind of like, there was several things for a rite of passage with all guys. It was like 17, 18 people, I believe, you know, and, and I remember that I had to catch a trout on my own and I did in a stream and I kept, I remember the first one I caught was like six inches long and I was trying to get it on shore and, and it got all dirty and stuff. And the guys are back at the camp and they're having a good time. And I come in with holding this little six inch trout and everybody's cheering for me, you know? And so it was like the rite of passage into the world of fishing, you know, and, and on my own. And then that night they had this, they had these pack rat contests, you know, the pack rats would come into the camp. And so you had to kill a pack rat. 
And so I had to make my own club and we made trash can lids with sticks and pulled strings and then, then they would lift the lid up and somebody had to get it. And so I remember the same thing happened there is that I chased this pack rat all over the camp and I ended up out in the woods and finally get it. And then I bring it back by the tail and everybody's clapping again. So I had two rites of passage in one day, you know, and that was my first memory. And then we caught a lot of, a lot of trout after that. And it just, you know, and go, go fast forward quite a few years, I ended up living with the guy that I rode up with named, named, named Bob Belta, who was my guardian, who just passed away this past year. And, what, you know, he, he guided my life in a way that I can never imagine. I mean, it was incredible what he did for me. Um, and my dad and him were really good friends in the Navy. So that's, that's my first big epic fishing story that got me going, that got me the, you know, that little tug that, that gets you um, for, for life, you know, that, that you want to keep doing that. I imagine, you know, military children face a lot of challenges in just in general. Um, but I was curious about what angling challenges came along with being a military kid. Yeah, that was tough because my dad was gone, you know, and my mom and dad, you know, weren't together um, for a very young age. And then my mom remarried and she married a guy who's Marine. And so I still lived on base and stuff. And, and that was the hard part was there wasn't much on base. So you had to figure out a way to get on the bus to get off the base to go to the ocean because I live by the ocean and it was bass ponds there I mean I got I, mean, I got a ton of stories there but but uh you know it would cost me a dime to get on the bus and I take all my fishing gear staring at marines there on the bus and I've got long hair and they've got short hair and that wasn't that you know that was kind of weird but but that but I go I would just find ways and and I don't even know how I got my fishing gear I mean at that age but I had it and, and I would just find any way I could to fish, you know, on my spare time. And so pretty much I did sports and I ran and went to school. That's all I did. And, uh, I can give you one quick story. I remember Reggie took a mini bike and we went down, we were on pri- private property and we were fishing this bass pond. And it was one of those classic, like when you watch a movie, these kids running off from this guy chasing them, this, the owner comes out and I'm on the back of this mini bike. And I'm just sitting on it with my rods in one hand, tackle box in the other, and I'm not even holding on to anything. I don't know how I stayed on. And we're getting away on a mini bike, you know, just stuff like that. But, you know, we would fish like, I mean, I fished gut, like, like the sewer, the sewers, like I'd fish down in the sewers and, and you'd catch those dark green, uh, green sunfish out of them, um, sewer pipes, um, whatever there, wherever there was water, I was fishing. And I would, I just walk and hike and find these ponds I had fish in them. And I, most of them are probably private property. I just didn't know it, you know. And then in the ocean, I would just comb the beaches. I'd surf fish. I'd fish the docks. I'd find bait. I'd drag, I'd drag a raft down the beach and find bait, squid that wash up and dice it up and use it for bait. And jetties, the Oceanside Pier. I'd fish all these places, and it was just, I mean, um, I guess I was a fanatic at that time just as much. Was it normal? Did you have other? Were there other people in that contingent that were fanatics, or was it kind of just you at that time? It, it was just me. I, you know, I was very independent, and I didn't really depend on others. I had some really good friends, you know, that I did the sports with and stuff, and and occasionally one would go with me to fish, but pretty much I was on my own when I fished. Nobody, you know, my dad, you know, that one that one time we went, and and then uh, my stepdad took me once to a lake, and I was in a boat, you know, with him catching some bluegills, but. But pretty much, you know, once I got that tug, um, I was just like, it just stuck with me, you know, and I just loved the fish. And then, so then you made your way to Nebraska in 1976. Mm-hmm. You came to Nebraska. Is the fishing that good here that kept you here? Or what, what was it that kept you in Nebraska? You know, my, I, I, I would say my faith side of my life would say a lot about that. Um, for me personally, you know, that. I don't, I don't really know. I just know that when I got here, um, I lived in a little farm, never done that before. And I learned what farm work was. (laughs) And, um, and I also worked for some farmers and I worked hard at the same time, you know, that, Hey, I got this bass pond and I'm like, and I, and I, and I loved to fly fish. So I used, yeah. So I used a, I know you tie flies. and, And so I used a popper and I would just, I just loved that topwater bite with a popper. And so I would just go to these ponds and I, and I do that, you know, and I didn't know much about rods and reels or line. I just, you know, in fact, my first big bass was on a deep sea rod, you know, with a giant spinning reel, you know, and, and, uh, but I, I, and going back, I fished before I got back, I fished these half day deep sea fishing boats, you know, they call them cattle boats now, but, 
but I would go out on those for like eight fifty, and then I'd make money selling those fish to the Vietnamese on the, the refugee Vietnamese on the shoreline, and then I, that's how I made the much for the next one. And then sometimes I win a contest, you know, and and uh, a jackpot for the biggest fish because I figured out I was you know twelve to fourteen then, and I was doing really well um, catching fish on those boats because I figured it out. Um, get the flying in first, get the biggest fish, things like that. But but no, when I got to Nebraska, there was these little ponds. That's all I knew. And there was Nemaha River, and I'd go down and catch little catfish. You know, um, I just I just loved doing it. And and was the fishing better here? I know it was just that there was fish. You know, and then and that's all I knew. And then, can you talk more about your your mentor, Is it Bob. Bob? Bob, yeah. Can you talk more about him and and who he was to you and and how that relationship became so important well number one he's he's he he was one of the you know few people in my life that I, that truly cared about me you know that's what i felt and so i respected him so much because he would just guide me and he res- he just respected me you know and i wasn't used to that and then not that my parents didn't they just you know it was it was a tough younger younger childhood but at the same time you know my parents meant well and they were they had stuff going too and it, it was best for me to go there at that time and i came back just for the summer that was the intention, but I ended up staying because the peace, just the tranquility, the outdoors, you know, um, going and taking a 22 and going out and just going hunting and not, not a care in the world. And then I could run forever and never come, you know, just I could run anywhere. You know, there's no traffic or anything like that. And I lived in the country uh, four miles from town. And so he it, he just had a way with me that I respected and he taught me. You know, like what work was and what it meant, and in, in that time, and he guided me, and he, he, you know, he, I guess, you know, I, I was involved in running too, and he helped me with that, and and uh, he told me that I had, he he believed in me that I could go to college, and my goal was to be a teacher, and you know, I hadn't seen that very much from anybody, you know, and I I had coaches, but they never really talked about that, but he was like my coach in a way too, and my mentor. And he was that way for many years. I mean, even beyond when I graduated and, you know, I could always, you know, give him a call and talk and stuff. And, and uh, I do miss him and, and uh, he means a lot to me. Um, in fact, um, just past month, over Christmas break, you know, he passed away. I had s- some of his ashes and I put them at the farm and uh, planted them there. Because, and, and it was a most special day I've had in a long time, you know, remembering what he did for me, you know. Yeah, sorry to hear that. Um you started kayak fishing in 1998. Are you a stand-up or sit-down guy? Well, I would like to stand up. I mean, when I lived in California, you know, you go out on the beach and you do all that stuff, you know. And, you know, I got on the kneeboard. I stood up a few times, uh, you know, on the board. But not, I wasn't an avid surfer guy. I just, like, go to the beach and hang out. Um, I kind of have that surfer oh, yeah. vibe. Well, <laughs> I... I really, I, I mean, I had long hair, looked like, you know, but I, I really didn't, you know, there was some times where I hooked up some friends and we, we went out there, but it, it, you know, I, the fishing, I just wanted to see what was under the water, <laughs> you know, so I ended up fishing and, and, uh, no, I, I, I guess I'm a sit down, but I have stood up. Um, I just like to, I mean, I've, I guess that my first kayak was when you sat inside and your legs, your legs fell asleep, you know, so. I was forced to sit down. There was no way I was going to stand. I was scared to death, you know, when I first got out there. Um, how did that come about, that first time, mm-hmm. that first kayak fishing adventure? How did that come to be? Well, I had a boat, an 18, 18 and a half foot glass one with 100 merc on it, and I fished out of that a lot. And I, I was a uh, runner, you know, and I ran all my life pretty much, um, and I competed at the college level and things like that, and I ran road races. Well, when I, in my late 30s, my knees, I was playing a lot of basketball and softball as well and beating myself up and, and a little bit of fishing, not much at that time. And then um, I found out from the doctor, I said, man, you're going to need knee replacements. And I'm like, no, that's not going to happen. And I was, you know, I'm like, I'm way too young for that. So I had these surgeries done and I had, I ended up with 10 surgeries, seven on one and three on the other to do some things to make it better. Well, they did some, some, so they call them uh, chronoplasties plugs and got that all done. And um, I lost about 60 pounds um, later on. But I started 
what I wanted to do was exercise without having to run. And I tried biking and that didn't appeal to me. I did a little bit, but I thought, you know, what if I paddle? And so I got on eBay and I bought this little whitewater type kayak that was eight foot long and put your legs in it. And it wasn't, it's not your whitewater flat ones. It was like a real narrow one. So when you got in it, it was like, you're going to, you felt like you're going to tip over, you know? So I started out like five feet from shore and I had a life jacket on of course. And I, and I actually bought a book on how to do an Eskimo roll. And I bought nose plugs because I thought, and then I wanted to test it out at the local pool before I did anything, but I didn't get to go in there. So I just went to the lake and I went out like in a foot of water, five feet from shore, and I'm trying to work, do this. Well, I got more and more comfortable. And then pretty soon I'm paddling along. And of course, like I said, I just went to exercise. And I thought, and I'm paddling. And then the, the, the lake that I chose was Rock Creek, which is southwest Nebraska. And it's a clear lake. You know, it's, at that time, it wasn't as clear because they re, when, they, after, when they redid it, it was super clear. But, but I could see fish, and they were, like, sitting there, and they wouldn't move. You know, they, they wouldn't spook. And so I thought, I'm going to get my pole. So I go back, and I get my – next time I bring my pole, and I start fishing, and I'm catching these fish in this kayak. And I'm going, this is pretty cool. I had no idea anybody kayak fished. I had no idea. I just wanted to paddle the kayak. And so I got on the internet and I looked around and I said, does anybody else do this? So I found Jim Sammons. I found uh, at first and I found another guy north of him. Doggone it. Uh, I can't think of his name right now. Um, And then later on, I find uh, this Chad Hoover who has the KBF today. Well, these names are popping. There was a guy in Texas named uh, Slow Ride Thompson or something like that. But there wasn't very many out there. And so I, I called these guys and I said, so what's this like for you, you know, and so forth. And, and I said, hey, could I, could I come fish with you? And so I end up, I'll tell you, I, I fished with Jim Sammons later. But, but they gave me, you know, they just gave me that, that passion that they had. And they started maybe, I don't know, maybe a little bit before me. But here it was. Here's a, here's a guy in the Midwest doing this. Nobody else is doing this in the Midwest, from what I understand. There's a few guys on the coast doing it. And then in 2004, six years later, um, the, a guy calls me from the Game and Parks. And his, uh, it was uh, Chris Fowler, I believe, reporter for the Game and Parks magazine, uh, Nebraska Land magazine. He calls me up and he says, hey, uh, can I come out and do a story on you about kayak fishing? And this is after I bought a couple more kayaks, you know, and I found one in Florida for a thousand bucks. It was a scuba kayak. Um, Perception came out with one. I bought their caster. There wasn't much out there um, to, to, to get. And then um, uh, this Chris calls me and, I, and he goes, I found your name from the superintendent of the lake. And, I, and I'm thinking, well, how did that come about? He says, I called around all over the state looking for somebody that found a kayak fisherman. He wanted to do a story. He had seen something in, a, I don't know if it was a magazine or somewhere about kayak fishing, but he wanted to know if somebody in Nebraska was doing it. Of course, what was said is there's some lunatic down there at the lake doing that. And so when I first started and I was out in the kayak and I started fishing and people on the shore would go, what the heck is that? And they'd say stuff. And I could hear them. You know, you can hear people talking to shoreline pretty easy. And they're saying, what is he doing? And I'm holding up these big old fish. And they're like, look at that, mom. Look, you know, and they're talking. And, and so... I, I mean, I'm catching fish in places that no one's ever been, you know, on these other lakes, nearby lakes. And uh, so in 2000, he does this article in Nebraska land, and it was, a, it was really like a six-page spread. And uh, people started, you know, calling me about this. And that's when uh, Crash Davis from Omaha, he called. And then uh, Larry Porter from the, I think, either World Herald, World Herald he comes out, does a whole-page story. Um, Lincoln Journal it does a little uh, blurb on it, and then I'm getting the local stations. They're they're coming down. A uh, Ralph Wall from Lincoln comes down, does a story, and I'm like, this is kind of cool, man. I I didn't expect this, but I did it for exercise, you know. Now here's another cool thing: is about 2004, a guy comes up to me. He's a pastor from Kansas, and he come he fishes the lake. He's a fly fisherman of all things, and he comes up and he goes, Hey, Marty, um, um. Would you take me fishing? And at this time, my kids are the only ones that have ever kayak fished probably in Nebraska. You know, I don't know. Um, they went with me a lot. And that was our way of bonding and getting out and enjoying the outdoors, you know, and stuff. And But no one would go with me. In fact, I had a farmer one time. I was parked downtown and 
I had my two kayaks atop my old trooper, and he he stops. He's got overalls on. And he goes, uh, "Hey, uh, are those things up there? Do you do you use those things, or are they just up there for show?" And I said, "Well, I'm, I'm just waiting for those big rains to come, and I'm ready for this flood, you know." And he, he's laughing because it was bad a drought at the time, you know, and stuff. But but no, I did use them, and and but people thought I was really people thought I was nuts when I did that. And so this guy comes up. And he goes, hey, would you take me fishing? And I go, sure. He goes, well, I want you to guide me. And I go, what do you mean? He goes, I want you to guide me out there to catch some bass with my fly rod. I said, okay. I said, I've never done that out of a kayak, but we can try it. And so he goes, no, I, I got to tell you, I'm going to pay you. And I go, you don't have to pay me. I'm just, I'll just take you fishing. And his name's Chris. And I go, I go, you just, I'll just take you out there. And uh, he goes, he goes, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pay you. Let's set up a date. So we set up a date. I go home that night, and I tell Diane, my wife, I said, Diane, this guy, Chris, you know Chris? She goes, yeah, I know Chris. Well, he just told me he wants me to guide him, and he's going to pay me. And she goes, it's about time. <laughs> That you're going to get paid for something. Because, I mean, I'm sucking the money out of our income for fishing stuff and kayaks and all this. And so so he pays me. And I go, and I'm like, I just made money fishing. And so uh, that's when the Kayak Jack thing, we named the business Kayak Jack. And start, and so I thought, and so Chris told some people. And eventually I'm taking a few people guiding. And, and here's what I charged. Are you ready? $25 for an entire day. I thought, you know, this will help me pay for my gas money to go fishing. So I'm, I'm charging 25 bucks in my spare time. And, you know, people are lining up to do this. So eventually I did raise my price a little bit, you know, but not much. But, but, uh, but here's the deal. I would charge 25 bucks, and i never forget this. These two ladies I took wrote me a check for 250 beyond the 25 they go, you deserve more than this. And I'm thinking, cha-ching, you know. But really, though, it wasn't about the money. It was the experience because I was sharing my passion with other people, you know. And it got to the point where I was doing bird watching tours, you know, just you name it, whatever. And, and, and you know, people just, they wanted, the people I was getting at that time in, in the mid-2000s, late 2000, or 2008, 2009, 2010, the people that I was getting then were people who wanted to experience kayak fishing, not necessarily go out and catch a string or a fish, you know. It was all about, is it safe? Can I do this? And where can I buy a kayak, you know? And so then um, I just kept growing it and and then I started offering shore, like shoreline or shore lunches, and I made ribeyes and beef stew, and and my wife helped me with that, of course, you know, and and uh, started taking people. And then I would just go. I started expanding and going to different lakes, and 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 uh, you know, we talked about my kids earlier, but one of my most epic or one of my favorite memories is taking my son CJ, who's a senior now is taking him and, and we were in a in a species contest with the game parks and and I thought hey CJ let's go let's go cover the whole state for 7 days and so we de- we decided we're going to go on a 7 day journey and we're going to do a big rectangle around the state and so we headed north up towards Valentine Refuge Lakes we hit a few there we went across over to Gavin's Point and then we went south and then back home we each caught 15 species he wins the contest gets all this uh, fishing gear and stuff. And, and I think I got like third or something in it. And, but, we're, but we get to Gavin's point and it's sunset and CJ goes, Dad, did you know today's your birthday? And I go, it is. It, it's May 29th, you know. And, and, I, and so, I mean, I was so into it. I didn't, even, I didn't even think of, you know, the birthday thing. And he goes, can we make s'mores? So we had s'mores and we celebrated. My, him and I celebrated my 50th birthday on a sunset at Gavin's Point. And I'll never forget that. And then we drove 1,200 miles around the state and did that. And he's, I can't remember how old he, he was. I mean, he's like 10, maybe, or 9, I don't know, 8. It was probably 8 years old. And my sister, um, Jeanette, um, made, created, wrote a song and put it in her album. She's a professional singer and about that, about 
us fishing, you know, about me fishing and so forth. It's pretty cool. So we played, we made that song to a slideshow deal on YouTube video or whatever, you know, just to remember that trip. So it's out there. But anyway, uh, epic trip. Um, never forget that memory. Um, he would, I could hear him singing out in his own out there, just enjoying life. And that's what it's about. And to me, this whole thing, I mean, I've told you a lot of history and there's so many more stories, but it's, it's about living in the moment. It's not, it's not looking at what can I accomplish 10 years from now or whatever. That was never my intent. Now, I thought in my mind, I go, wouldn't it be cool to have tournaments and see, you know, because there's already tournaments out there. And I'm, I'm so competitive, you know, I wanted to do that. Now, what I did was, was we had these little challenges. And I took my son, CJ, and he'd do them. And he'd do pretty good in them. I started the first kayak fishing tournament, I believe, in 2004. And it had like 12 people or 10 or whatever. And two were my kids, you know. And, and the winner was my neighbor, who was the math teacher, won a six-foot Spitfire kayak from Emotion, you know. And it was kind of cool, you know. It was like he won a kayak. And, and from there, and then I, I remember I wanted to have a tournament and I got like phone call death threats that if I had a tournament in that pond, you know, they were going to do something to me. And I'm like, geez, man, people are that I, what I remember is that the lake was so good that people didn't want the word to get out that because we were catching some big bass out there. And, uh, you know, I had, I would post pictures on the game and park site, the NEFGA site, and uh, people would go, Where, what are you doing? You know, I, and so everybody's intrigued by the kayak that way. Cause I, but I didn't take many photos before that. I only have a couple photos um, of kayak fishing. I bought a, like a Walmart, uh, what do you call those, Walmart um, waterproof cardboard thing, cameras, and you take a few shots. So I had people take a picture for me or whatever. And and those were in the SRAM Museum, those first pictures of, of the kayak fishing. I don't know if they put them in a new one or not, but, but that's kind of how we started. And I really didn't, I just, I just liked being out there. And for me, it's the essence of just paddling. And, the re, and, you know, the number one word I got from people when I took them out was, this is so relaxing. And they could forget about everything in their life except for being on that water. And that's what it was for me. And I was sharing that. And it wasn't about, it really wasn't about making any money. It was, it was about maybe getting enough money to do what I love to do, you know, because I love teaching too. And so it, it, I think, you know, for me, I'm a big believer in taking your passion to what you do in your life. And so like even now when I go to school, kids will draw me pictures or they'll, you know, they'll talk about fishing or whatever. And, and I'll relate stories to fishing and things like that. But but I, my passion is with me all the time, you know, when I do that. So that's kind of how it all started. So I guess in an indirect way, you know, it's, it wasn't about the money, but yeah. in some way, shape, or form, you're getting something from sh- that sharing aspect. Yeah. You know, yeah. th- so when the ladies write you that check, yeah. when you ask for twenty five and they write you two fifty, I read some testimonies on your website. Website. Yeah. It was the lady saying, "I'm going to send you more money yeah. because you gave us more value than what you charged yeah. us." Yeah. So I guess that feeling you get from that maybe is sort of payment. uh, You can't put a price. You can't put a price on what they experienced and they can't put a price on it. I mean, I mean, that was I mean, people wrote huge checks and they gave me wads of money and they would they would like some people would would leave and they drive back and give me more because they would think about it, how how neat it was. And, you know, I put it towards the fishing hobby for me, you know, and that's what it was about. And it's still about that. And that's, you know, the next thing that happened was, you know, we, there's always talk about sponsorship and all that stuff, you know? Yeah, I do have sponsors and, and they're really good to me, but, it, but I didn't go like banging on their door going, Hey, will you sponsor me? Because I'm a fat kayak fisherman. I didn't do that. What happened was, um, a guy named Tom Strauss started all this. He owned a motion kayaks and he, and he found my picture on the internet. And he, and I guess I was one of the few that were out there, you know, posting pictures and stuff. And, and it came up and he goes, Hey, uh, I see you kayak fish a lot. Would you, would you mind if I send you a couple kayaks? And I'm thinking, Hmm, that'd be nice. And he goes, I go, my son, he, he likes to kayak fish too. He goes, I'll send you three. So he sends me three kayaks and that's those emotion kayaks you see in all the old pictures. Those were, those were given to me by him. I, I really couldn't afford to go buy kayaks, you know. I mean, I'm teaching school, and my wife's at home, staying at home and stuff, and we're on one income. And, you know, you had to kind of live within your means, which we did. 
you know, and so um, I, I get those. And then then all of a sudden he's like, would you be would you be willing to sell these for me? And I go, no, nah, I don't want to do any. I just I just like fishing. and I take people out and stuff. And and pretty soon people are asking me to buy kayaks. So I win a contest when I lost to 60 pounds with P90X, Tony Horton. And I, I, win a, I win a contest, and then I go to this nationals, and I'm one of the top four in the nation for losing weight or whatever. And this transformation I did. And my knees are good. I'm running. I went from not even being able, able to run a lap to a 17-minute 5K at age 51. You know, I'd run in the 14s when I was younger, 15s and so forth. But, but here I am running again, and, and I won another 5,000. So I took that money, and I said, hey, Tom, let's talk. So he sends me a truckload of kayaks, and I sell them all. As soon as they, that truck gets there, I sell them all. And so I went into business. I, still, I sold kayak after kayak, and pretty soon stores start offering them, you know. And so it goes from there. But I wasn't, I wasn't really pushing it. But people that needed them right then, you know, I would, I would give them a kayak that way, you know, get, get them a kayak. And then um, Bill Bragman, who started Yak Gear and Railblazer for the United States there, um, one of his reps uh, found me and called me one day. Hey, you interested in maybe, uh, you know, being an ambassador for our company and getting the word? I said, sure. So I've been with them since the beginning on that. And then the other one was uh, the other the other one was bending branches. They called up and 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 I was using a Werner paddle at that time and bending branches. Hey, how'd you like a nice paddle? They sent me one. For, so now I'm on their national team. But, but I, it's not like, you know, and. So, I, but I love paddling, and I love a good paddle, and they offer a good paddle, you know. Um, and then um, I go to a tournament. Uh, we there was a tournament at at Wanahu there, and a guy had heard about me there, um, and then about our Heroes in the Water program, and a guy at Bass Pros had heard about me, and he invited me, and he says, "Hey, would you be willing to talk about this?" Is a few years ago uh, about kayak fishing in the Bass Pro store. And I said, sure, I'll come out. So I drove all the way out, like six hours to Council Bluffs, seven hours, whatever it was. And uh, I did a talk for them. And they had only sold a few kayaks that year. After I did that talk, it, I, I don't know how many hundred, but they said that sales went up for their kayaks. And so the next year, they asked me to come back again. And they, they gave me like some shirts and stuff, you know, it's kind of cool. And, and then that day... Uh, hey, can you come upstairs for a minute? And I go, is something wrong? And they go, no. And so I go upstairs, and I, and the manager's in there, and, and he's a really cool guy. Uh, and uh, he, they say, would you like to uh, kind of associate with us, you know? And, and I said, so what do you mean? They go, do you have any contracts with anybody that would interfere with us, you know, kind of helping you out? And I said, well, I have emotion, you know, and stuff, and I don't know – but emotion had been bought out by lifetime at that time. So Tom was no longer in the picture in that. So anyway, so I, I wrote a letter and they, there was no problem. So I got an actual contract from Bass Pro Shops as a you know, being sponsored. It was kind of cool, you know, and that's about the time that guys are starting to come into the game and say they're getting sponsored. And so it's it's not really about the it's it it's. I don't know if it's about sponsorship so much as it is your affiliation. And, and you know, everybody's cool about it. I am, I've been offered things like, um, hey, if, would you like to be on our kayak team or whatever, and, but you can only use our kayak. And I'm like, you know, I promote kayak fishing. So I have a lot of different kayaks, and I'll promote your kayak, but I have to be able to use different ones. So I really haven't, like, said, you know, that, you know what I mean? So, and then... You know, with what I use, I promote the people that I that, that I use for. But it doesn't mean I have to use a certain lure, a certain deal, or whatever. I, I just I just go out and I fish, and then yeah, I have stuff on my shirt and all that. But it's not about me; it's about what I represent, and that's the kayak fishing world. So I want to give I, I want to promote it so that others can see where they can get those things from. Okay. Why do you think it's important that the kayak fishing community grows? The reason why I feel it should grow is that we are a very sedentary society. I mean, we are glued. We are attached. Well, not we are. The phones are attached to our hips, literally. And we spend a lot of time on screen time. We spend a lot of time in our chairs. We spend a lot of time in our homes, inside buildings. 
Um, you know, we, you know, when I was a kid, you know, we were outside in 100 degree weather and didn't bother us today. And I'm not knocking today's. It's just that we we've been so accustomed to air conditioning and heat and so forth. The weather elements get to us a little bit. But I, I just want to get people outside to experience what I see, the wildlife, the, the sounds, the, the, the sunset, you know, um, that I see out there. I just feel that that's, you know, that's my passion. And, and before I leave this earth, I want people to know that that's, some, that's a special place to be. And it always was for me. Um, hearing the crashing waves, hearing water, just a splash of water. You know, makes just gets me excited about like I'm looking for a fish, you know, or whatever. But the things that I've seen that can't be repeated, you know, and again, that happens one time in your life, you know, um, you know, where you're you're face to face with a big buck on the shoreline. He's just staring at you, you know, where a coyote runs by you, almost almost touches you. Um, Watching an eagle come down and catch a bass a lot bigger than I caught that day, you know, um, or, a, or, a uh, what do you call it? Uh, ospreys that dive straight down out of it. Just those kinds of sights have just been incredible for me to see. Talk about some of the people that you've come in contact with, some of the people you've helped to get into the industry and to get into the fishing world and, and how that has played into, to your career for your life goals or whatever it may be. Well, a lot of times you, you meet people, you know, I just think that, there's something about life where you, you meet people and, and I don't know if it's intentional or what, but you, you meet certain people and then your life changes or their life changes. I've had a lot of people say, hey, this, this changed my life. It's, excuse me, it saved my life. Um, it made me appreciate what I was missing in my life. And, 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 and they see, you know, like when I say living in the moment, I mean literally I live in that moment, you know, and it teaches them that. And, you know, I've, I've met so many people that have the same passion that I do. You know, Chad Hoover is one with the KBF, you know, um, Chad, you know, yeah, he has it as a business, but his passion is unparalleled, you know. Um, and there's other guys, too, like that. Um, the guys in Nebraska that I've met, met, we have, we do, I think, have one of the most incredible kayak fishing communities in Nebraska where guys know, truly know what it's about. See, I, I had the advantage on everybody. Not, I don't know if it's an advantage, but I had the opportunity to experience kayak fishing without all the tournament stuff. You know, I, I spent, what, uh, oh, my gosh, over 10 years, 12, 13, maybe 12, 13 years, you know, not even doing a tournament, um, just going out and fishing and enjoying that time, not worrying about a time limit, not worrying about how many I had to catch, you know, but just, just pure targeting and going after fish and enjoying it, you know, and then bringing people with me to do that same, and that's very relaxing. You go to the tournament side of things, it gives me that, that you know, that, where I love being competitive. It gives me that, uh, uh, I'm trying to think of the word. Adrenaline rush. Yeah, adrenaline rush and satisfaction of competing, you know. And I love that part of it. It's almost... It's, it's, it's almost too much at times. And I, but like last year, I fished 61 tournaments, some of them online, you know, but that's still, that's a lot of, that's a lot, but I just, I just felt good about it, you know, and I, and I try to balance my time so that I can do all that, you know, with what I do with my job. But, but that's, I mean, that, that's what I, I, through time being able to have that opportunity and know that where today's angler right away, they're hit with that tournament thing right away. You know, Hey, there's a tournament and they may have fished once. They may never fit. They may be in a tournament for their first time in a kayak. And it, and it's, I, I just wish they could experience it like I did, you know. And not many people are going to be able to do that today. Yeah, many people consider you, consider you a mentor. So are you, is it, do you hope to, to maybe groom more people to be welcoming and be mentors in this community? Absolutely. In fact... Yeah, I would look at it that way. And they do tell me, they say, You're, you are my mentor. And what I tell them is I said, you know, the thing that we need to remember is where we came from when we started. What was it like? And how can we help others experience that same feeling? Rather than, hey, I'm this kind of angler and I'm doing this and this and it's about me. And, I, you know, I don't think that's the angle you want to take. So my mentoring is, hey, just be who you are. Be genuine. And help that person and not intimidate them. 
and let them know that you truly care about them being underwater and tell them how safe it is. And we do this with kids. You know, we get kids out and we teach them safety, number one, and then what it's all about. And we have, you know, we have a, a lot of youth events. In fact, I have nine this year that we'll offer for kids, uh, four tournament and five, no, yeah, four tournament and five that are, you know, gatherings for kids to come out. And, you know, I have a free fishing school. Um, this year, you know, I, with my, with the job that I have right now, it's so hard for me to guide. So what I've done is I've had like a, a bass fishing day, a catfish day and a bluegill day. And I charge 25 bucks for those, but that's mainly so that I can get there and pay for my expenses. And so, cause that's a lot of equipment, a lot of lures and uh, take care of them that way. Well, you know, they're going to give you 250 anyway. So <laughs> yeah, I, I don't, maybe who knows? That'd be nice. But, but, you know, I, I just, the, you know, we, the, here's the deal. As we were talking about this earlier. There's this reciprocal effect when you help people. When you help people, it comes back to you without expecting it. And I tell, try to teach kids that, you know, that it's not all about you. But, you know, like, you know, I'll, I'll tell you bluntly is that as a principal, when I have a kid that's being selfish and doing something, I have a, a little worksheet they go through, and it's called the Random Act of Kindness Worksheet. And they have to go through, and they got to find someone to do a random act of kindness who they don't know. And then they come back to me, and they talk about it. And that's more of a restorative approach to discipline than if I just said, you know what, you're going to sit here for five hours because you did that. What, what, is that. what good does that do? You know, With kids, they have behaviors. What's causing the behavior? You know, and I got so many stories I could tell you about finding out about kids' lives that would make people cry or get emotional because they didn't know that about that kid. When that kid tells me what they're really feeling and why they were getting in trouble. And when you figure out that why, you connect with them, you know, and they know that you trust them and you care about them. And they're going to, they want to be good. They want, they want to do well for you. And I've seen so many transformations that way. That's what Bob Bethel did for me. He took me that, you know, I was a troubled kid. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I was a troubled kid. I was rebellious. Um, I didn't drink or do drugs or anything. I didn't do that. In fact, my, my senior class nickname was the Alcoholics, and I was the president of that class. But I did not drink. I tried to set the example. Now, I'm not against it. I'm just saying that's just what I chose not to do. You know, I wanted to have clear thinking when I was out doing it, whatever, you know. Um, so I, and people, all, all the guys I hang out with, they know that, you know, I'm, I, you know, um, but I, I just care so much about those kids that how can we help them get better? Now, there, there's some people probably say, you know what, that guy's way too nice. You know what? Why should I treat somebody bad because they did something? You know, I just I just don't believe that if if. The guy that took care of me treated me good, and I was so bad. He still treated me good. I can't, what can I do bad for that? I don't make sense, but, you know, this guy, I show up in the farm. He gives me a rifle, says, go hunt. He, he just said, here's how you pull the trigger, go hunt. You know, I'm like, wow. You know, so. Well, he gave the uh, trust. He, yeah, that, he trust. says, you know, I trust Absolutely. you, and, yeah. and that probably yeah. helped. And, and, you know, I, like when we take these kids out, kayak fishing, a lot of them, they want instant, instant gratification. They want that fish right now. Now, there's some that I spoil when I say, hey, cast right there and you get a five pounder. And they go, what? And then I spoil them for life. You know, there's others that I go, hey, this is going to be a challenge today. You're going to a little patience. All right. And, you know, I realize it's, you know, so they get out there. Sometimes they get a little antsy and you go, hey, and then when they catch it, you just see that glow on them. And I've got pictures on, on our on my uh, social media that show that fire in their eyes when they get that. And we've got a pretty good little club going down in Auburn, I think, with kids and, you know, just getting them outside. And like I said before, you know, we just, we've got to do this for our kids, our next generation, because, and I'm not against phones. Some people think I am, you know, like, oh, you, no, yeah, let's just learn how to use them to enhance our lives, not take over our lives, you know? What's the biggest challenge, and maybe you've already answered it, what's the biggest challenge to growing an angling membership? You know, growing a kayak fishing community. Um, I think the challenge would be that um, everybody thinks everybody has to do a tournament, you know, or be competitive. Just go out, take a pole, take a lure or two or a box, a paddle and a PFD and a pair of pliers. You're going to need some pliers probably. And just go float around and throw the lure out there in the water. That's how you promote it. You don't do it by saying, oh, you're going to need this $1,000 sonar. 
um, you need this uh, $500 rod, and you need all these lures to get started. You know, I have a lot of that stuff, but it happened through time, you know, and being resourceful with that. So I th- and not intimidating people, and that's why we created the Thursday, Tuesday night and Thursday night leagues. If they're competitive, but they're low key, and you know you might win ten dollars or twenty, you know whatever, I don't, you know. But but um, it's like bingo on Wednesday night, you know. That's kind of how we treat it, you know. When you're talking and you're having a good time and so forth, and then that's why I have the free fishing school, you know, just so that people can try try before they buy, so to speak, you know, and. Some people get discouraged because they, they have the impulse, I'm going to go buy that little eight-foot kayak and hope it works. You need to get in one that's going to work for you and be your best fit. So I think that's part of the challenge there is knowing what is the best fit for you when you do that. Is the kayak fishing community different from other communities? I think every type, like you just mentioned there, buddy, is that every one of those denominations, so to speak, has their own culture. And kayak fishing has its own culture. I think a lot of it is people that either can't afford or don't want to buy an $80,000 boat. And there's nothing against that. I mean, I'd love to have an $80,000 boat, you know. But I think it's more of, you know, this is how I want to do it. This is like easy to do. I can unload and I can be in the water in two minutes. And I can do it alone if I want, or I can do it with friends and how can, and it's, it's a community that loves to help each other. That's what I see. Um, you know, some, what I see a lot, especially with the social media movement too, is that somebody's in trouble, man, there, nobody will hesitate to help them out. Whether it's a family issue, a financial issue, a sickness issue, everybody rallies around that person. It's nothing like I've ever seen in my life. You know, nobody wishes bad on anybody. If you get skunked or whatever, fishing or whatever, somebody's going to go, hey, let me go take you out and help you. You know, and and that's how I've met people on the lake, too. I've seen them struggle. I'll see a a dad taking his kid, you know, and they're not catching things. I'll say, hey, how's it going? Oh, and the kids are he's sitting there just like he's got that look like, man, I'd rather, you know, go do this, you know, something else. And, And I say, hey. Would you mind if I offer you a little a jig that might help you? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And they get that jig on there, and they start. And you can. And I go, I go paddle away, and I can hear the screaming and hollering and laughing. And I had a, I actually had a couple come up to me here about a month ago, and they said, you know, you're the guy that came up to us about three years ago, and we weren't catching anything, and you gave us these little lures. And we started catching fish, and we'll never forget that. And that was a representation of our kayak community. It wasn't about me. It was a representation of someone in a kayak. And so they look at kayak fishermen as, hey, those guys are pretty cool. Now, you know, I've heard people say we get a bad rap and stuff because people clog up boat ramps or cut off, you know, whatever. But, you know, that's not, that's anything. That's in cars too, you know, whatever. But I think the essence of kayak fishing, it draws people because, yeah, I think there's just people out there of all occupations, of all walks of life, just enjoying the outdoors. And it just slows you down. It's not like something's going to break on you, you know. Um, I had some unique experiences in them where stuff has happened. But, um, but well, I, I got I to tell you, though, and I know I'm kind of rambling here, but I got an epic story. The epic story is that I did fish with Jim Salmons. And everybody knows the kayak fishing show. It's on an outdoor channel, I think. Um, so I call up Jim Salmons. It was, uh, I think it was my 30th uh, anniversary, 30th class reunion thing. So I went to California. I booked a trip with him. And he met me and he took me. And, he, and of course, I made a mistake right away. I got ahead of him and I started taking my kayak into the waves. He goes, ah, stop. And next thing I know, I'm on my back and the kayak flips over and I'm rolling all over the place and, and uh, he had all the gear, so it didn't matter. But, but I'm like, how in the world we can get past those six foot waves, you know? And so he, t- he, so he says, you just listen. And I said, I'm very coachable. After this, especially, <laughs> he takes me out, and we go through the waves, and he shows me how, and we get past the waves. And he goes, we got to get bait first. And he takes me out there, and I'm, and I'm, I mean, it's it's La Jolla, kelp beds, and I. 
I got the heebie-jeebies like you wouldn't believe because I've never been out that far in a little kayak. I mean, I'm in an ocean kayak, I believe, and it's about a 12-footer. And we get out, get out there, and he says, look to your right. And I look, and here's some porpoises coming. He goes, they're just checking you out. And it was like, oh, my gosh. And then we go a little further, and a manta ray comes underneath me. And the water's clear. And, it, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. And so we're catching bait. And he goes, we're going we're gonna to try to get some thresher sharks or a tuna. I don't know what we're going to get. And he, he taught me one lesson that day. And I use it when I guide people. He goes, we're going to go for a paddle and we might catch some fish. And I've used that ever since. That was one thing that I picked up from that. So we go out, I don't know, two to three miles out. And we go out with the tide. And we're fishing. And a couple other guys were out there. One guy caught a tuna. One guy caught a thresher shark. I got a barracuda. And took a picture. There's a picture on my Facebook page that shows that. And um, and it, it was just so epic to do that. And then we went in with the tide and it was effortless. And then he said, OK, now you got to really listen to me because I had to get in on those six. It was it was six foot rollers that day, at least. And these are about six foot waves. And he goes, we got to get to shore without you capsizing. I'm like, OK. And so he told me exactly what to do. And I did it, and I surfed that wave all the way in, because you can't beat waves by paddling. I surfed at 45-degree angles all the way in and, and went all the way into shore. He goes, no one has ever done that. I said, it's your coaching, man, that did that. And I had the greatest trip ever, you know, doing that. And I learned so much that day about being a guide, number one, how he treated me and how I should treat others, you know. He was my mentor that I could mentor others. Jim is a legend. You know, he's legendary because he caught the first marlin out of a kayak and got towed out to sea, you know, you know. So um, that, that's I guess that's one of my, my epic stories on, on kayak fishing. Yeah, I love I love that story a lot. Something I'd really like to do is go kayak fishing in the, in the ocean. Sometimes yeah. I would definitely get the heebie jeebies. Yeah. I know I would yeah. get the heebie jeebies. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, favorite fishing buddy. My favorite fishing buddy. Oh, my gosh. Probably my son. Uh, you know, maybe I'm going to get emotional. <laughs> uh I would say CJ and my son, um, just the trips we've had, you know, he's my youngest. Um, you know, we fished a lot. And then, you know, when he started growing into his school and basketball, um, basketball's been his life and, and I've respected that. And he, pl- he's played so much, but he's also reaped the rewards of what happens from that. You know, he's won a state championship um, he's an academic type kid too. Um, he's a four O, you know, really high ACT, um, got a, got a academic scholarship full ride to UNL university of Nebraska and Lincoln, um, for next year. Um, he's accomplished all of his goals. Why would I want to take that away from him? You know? And so I think that foundation of him and I together where we're the, we're the, we're like the guys that go out and fish when we never say a word to each other while we're doing it that day, but it's just being there, you know, and, uh, he knows how to fish. He loves it. He fishes left-handed and he's right-handed. Can you, and I'm left-handed. Can you tell that one? Um, uh, why he does that. And then, uh, um, I would say that he's my favorite fishing buddy. Um, I've got a lot of others that I enjoy, time with uh guys like nate gloria kevin workman you know those are those have been great friends through the years um you know brett wilson's one that i met in auburn he's he's really been a good friend there um but you know and then i take what i like to do is take some of my you know a couple of my teachers fishing that i work with and just bond that way you know uh but yeah that's i would say cj's my favorite sounds like a good kid yeah yeah, he is. Uh, he's looked up to by, he's a quiet leader, uh, leads by example, hard worker. Um, kids love him. And, uh, you know, he supports others. He's, it's not about him. Uh, he, he's a community service type guy. Uh, he's on our leadership team at our school. He's on a leadership team at his church. He's on the leadership team for FCA. You know, um, he, he has his priorities right. And uh, he's just done everything we've asked his parents. And, and uh, you know, he, he's got a great journey ahead of him. And, you know, like the other day, uh, I, you know, I just got a new camper to, to go to tournaments with and stuff and travel. And I said, you know, all this stuff's going to be yours one day, you know. And he, he hates me talking that way. But I said, you know, 
you're gonna you're, you'll have all this you know for you you don't have to worry about trying to and he i don't know if he like really likes me talking about that you know because i get accused of being his grandfather half the time because <laughs> you know i'm 60s and he he's 18 and uh so it's kind of fun that we have fun with that too you know but yeah you don't look 60 by any means oh, yeah for sure uh, this is my favorite question and the one I always ask, usually ask last unless something else comes up. But uh, I'd like to know what your legacy in the fishing world is. I want to know how you want others to remember you. Oh, man. Um, I think you could tell that I love what I do so much that it brings a lot of emotion out of me. And uh, I wouldn't be where I am today without kayak fishing. Because it's helped me to de-escalate. It's helped me to have patience. It's helped me to collect my thoughts. It's helped me be close to my creator. Um, it's helped me enjoy the outdoors. If I can leave a legacy of what it's done for me and what it can do for others, that's all I could ever ask for. You know? and, and also letting people know that living in that moment where you have that peace and tranquility out on the water, whether you're fishing competitively or just out enjoying the day, you know, that's what means the most. Um, as far as, you know, I, I know that I didn't expect to be a pioneer of the sport. I never thought that way. But now you look back and I'm just, I'm just one that had that opportunity to do that. And, and, and I, it's not like I was a genius and went out there and said, oh, I'm going to start this new sport. You know, the Eskimos were doing it way before we were. They probably had contests, you know, five, whatever, how many thousand years ago, you know, they did that. Hundreds of years, I don't know. But I just know that um, when you find something, a treasure, do you want to keep it to yourself or do you want to share it? And to me, it's just like with my faith. I want to share my faith and I want to share what I experience in my life to help others. If I can leave a legacy that Share with others what you have, your gifts. That's the main message. Whether it's kayak fishing or f uh, fly, uh, tying flies or, or like my wife, creating scrapbooks. You know, sharing those things with others and creating memories with it. You know, the memories that I have will never go away. And I have some incredible memories and probably hopefully many more to make, you know, as we go through this. Um, and, and, of course, I'm entering the golden years, I guess you call it. Um, but, you know, I want to go as long as I can. And uh, um, I re I've retired once, maybe twice, I don't know. Um, but I don't think there's ever retirement. I think retirement is when you're, you're not going, you're not breathing anymore. But um, it's just a new phase. And to, to be able to keep doing this and keep my health and serve others as I do it. That's, that's my main thing. And I, I do want to say this. I want to thank all those who have believed in, in my principles of how, what I've done in this and taken that and, and, and repeated it, you know, in helping others. And there's so many like that, um, you know, that have taken this sport and made it bigger than it was. And the other thing is making it bigger than ourselves because it is bigger than ourselves. You know, and the other thing, one more thing is, you know, take a kid fishing, any kid, and help them and let them know what's out there. It's all around us that, you know, the, the outdoors and what, it, what you experience with it. Are you proud of where the, in, where the sport is from today, from when you first started? I, I'm proud of it. I'm proud of the growth. You know, there, any, anything in life has drama and there's a little drama sometimes, but you know, I, it's driven by, you know, people, animosity mainly, you know, and I, I get that. But you know what? In the long run, everybody likes each other and loves each other. And, and um, you know, you, you, you want to you, you you win that race that day. But at the same time, when it's over, you respect that person because they also put in a great amount of work. And I've always been one that, you know, I've always respected my opponents. I've always respected my peers. And that respect will be done in return. Um, I'm one that I do use, use social media and I am only going to be positive and everybody knows that. And so when you're positive, you'll gain positive responses back. You just don't want to go saying stuff about people, you know, that's not good. And, 
and so forth. But um, I, I've learned that I need to keep my mouth shut sometimes. And, and, and that's how we all learn that way, you know. And I'm not saying I'm any kind of, you know, great fisherman or anything. I just love to fish. And I love to be in the water, and I love to help people experience that same thing. And I'm going to continue to do that. I'll say this. There's a stigma about principles. Here we go. Yeah. So one more thing. You know, I, I never dreamed of being an administrator. But I had a guy tell me, he goes, yeah, Mark, you know, you're teaching. He says, you will have a greater impact in your life by going and becoming an administrator than you ever would in just one classroom. He says an administrator you will be in everybody's classroom and impact all students and everybody in the community with that. And so I didn't believe that. And I, you know, at first, and then once I experienced it, yeah, it's a great challenge, but at the same time, you can have such an incredible impact on so many people by going to a so much, it's kind of like, it's, it is a higher level. Let's, let's face it. But by going and taking on these next steps, you can have such a greater impact. And even doing something like this, this podcast or show, you have a, your, your, your story has an impact on others that hopefully if one person is influenced by this story today and it changes their life, we've accomplished what we're doing today. You see what I mean? But when you come to see me in my office, I'm not the guy that said, oh, you know what? You're in big trouble. I'm not that guy. I'm the guy that says, look, what can we do to help you? How can we help you be restored and, re- and, and get out there? Because you, you know what? I make mistakes too. You made a mistake. What can, how can we move forward from there? And, that, you know, and the other thing is you know, just, just love people and treat people kind.